you got to get passionate about this thing. If the cross doesn't move you, nothing will move you. I'm offering you something that's greater than silver and gold. I'm offering you something that's greater than an increase in your pay on your job. I'm offering you a... There's no shortcuts to the glory. Week to week living. We've got to multiply our prayer life. We've got to multiply our efforts. And we are willing to give. God will always give it back to us in good measure that is pressed down, shaken together, and running over. Hey, thanks for checking out our Christian Life Church podcast. You will be hearing from one of our pastors or guest speakers, either at our Frankfurt or Lebanon campus. Prepare your hearts and your minds to receive a word from God. Thanks for listening. Enjoy and receive this message. I heard about Brother West about two or three years ago when he started coming, I think he'd been there before, but to youth camps, and I was able to watch morning sessions online and different things, and, and I just love the ministry of him and his wife and their family. And I, I, whether they know it or not, I pay attention to their church, and I watch the growth and the different connect points he, he's making and uh, all the work he does. And he is uh, Kentucky's youth president. And the work they do in the youth, I thank God for people like Brother West. And so would you please help me welcome a man of God, an anointed one, Brother West tonight. Would you come minister the word? Come on, why don't you just give that praise to the Lord right now? Would you lift up the name that's above every name? Come on, the presence of the Lord is in this place right now. Would you lift him up? Hallelujah, hallelujah. Praise God, praise God. Amen. I, I don't know about you, but I feel that love of God in this house today. And I believe that he's come into this house for young people and young adults and even adults in the house. And he's come here with a purpose in mind. I mean, I, I know that the enemy would try to convince us that God doesn't have a plan for us. But God made it pretty clear to Jeremiah. He said, I know the plan I have for you. I mean, I, I want to just tell somebody tonight, God has a plan for your life. Amen. And I believe that the Spirit of the Lord has stepped into this place with a purpose for you. Somebody needs to look at your neighbor and say, he has a purpose for me. So perhaps there are many reasons that you might have come into this place today, but I know that there is just one reason that God has come here, and that's for you. It's for me. And I, I believe that God has a work that he wants to accomplish today. You can return to your seats. Uh, thank you for your worship. What a great job this praise and worship team did. Would you give them another hand clap? And what a great job. Thank you for leading us into the presence of God. Man, I want to give honor to this host church, Christian Life. What a beautiful new facility that we are in today. Brother and Sister Jordan and your family, would you thank this host church for opening their doors to Section 3? Man, what a great work that they're doing in the city of Frankfurt and outside of this city. Amen. And to Brother Newcomer and Sister Newcomer, I did not know, Sister Newcomer, that you could sing like that. My goodness. Man. I also didn't know that you were so old, Brother Newcomer. 
you know, maybe they'll elect sister newcomer since she has probably another 10 years before she was 36. But um, brother newcomer is old. Somebody say he's old. So they're going to send him to children's ministry or something. Who knows? But man, it is a great honor to be here with you in section three tonight. And uh, my wife and I, my wife is with me, Annie. She is a Hoosier by birth. I took her to Kentucky. I, I think she may be a wildcat now. I don't know. Uh, every once in a while, I'll hear her say, I, you. And I've looked in the scripture. That's not cause for divorce, so I just fight through it. But uh, no, uh, she's with me today. We love love her. She followed me to Kentucky. When, when I asked her parents if I could marry her, they said, just don't move her to Kentucky. I said, I'll try not to. But I, I lied. So. Matthew chapter number 7 is where we're going in our Bibles, if you can turn there. It was just a few months ago, perhaps you saw it, heard about it. But it was a day that seemed just like any other day on one of the beautiful islands of Hawaii. This summer, my wife and I, we were asked to go on a missions trip. And they, they asked us to go to Hawaii on this missions trip. Now, I don't know about you, but it didn't take a lot of praying for me to decide to go to Hawaii on a missions trip. Until... I heard that there was a volcano that was erupting there. The volcano, its name is Kilauea. It's the youngest and unfortunately most active volcano on the islands. However, on this particular day, just a few months ago, this otherwise mild volcanic activity that those who live closest to it are used to seeing, began to erupt and send fountains of lava gushing, not out of the top of the volcano, but out of the streets and the backyards of those who live closest to it, sending toxic steam and volcanic ash into the sky. So we began to do research, and we discovered that we were not going to that island. So we said, yes, Lord, send us. But this volcano almost immediately began to shoot lava 80 feet in the air from fractures in the streets. You think that tornadoes are rough in Indiana. You don't have lava shooting out of the streets. You ought to thank God for the cornfields all of a sudden. Neighbors began to flee. The earth was shaken by almost relentless earthquakes, the largest on record in nearly 43 years. But local residents began to be interviewed, and I, and I saw one of the interviews that were given as they evacuated their homes. There was a lady, her name was Julie, and Julie lives on a street where a vent opened up and channeled lava to within 1,000 yards of her house or 914 meters if you are from Canada and it was this statement that she made that really caught my attention she said this we knew that we were building on an active volcano recalling how she purchased this lot for $35,000 after living on Maui became too expensive but she said this I thought the danger from lava 
was only a remote possibility. In other words, she built on a volcano because it was cheap. Yet a decade later, Julie and those neighbors around her discovered that she was faced with the possibility that that cheap land could cost her everything. And when I read that story, my mind went to Matthew chapter 7, our text this evening, beginning in verse number 24, a familiar passage of Scripture. The Bible says, recording the words of Jesus, Therefore, whosoever heareth these sayings of mine, and doeth them, I will liken him unto a wise man. Somebody say wise man. Which built his house upon a rock. And the rains descended and the floods came and the winds blew and beat upon that house and it fell not for it was founded upon a rock. But everyone that heareth these sayings of mine and doeth them not shall be likened unto a foolish man. Somebody say a foolish man Which built his house upon the sand And the rain descended, the floods came, the winds blew The same storm and beat upon that house And it fell And great was the fall of it I want to preach to the great students of section 3 tonight This thought, the high cost of a cheap field Would you put your Bibles down and one more time just ask God to speak to us in this house. God, we love you. We thank you for your presence that we feel in this place. Lord, we know that you have stepped into this room and where you are, God, that you, we know that where you show up, you show up to move and you show up to work and that you show up with a great purpose. I pray that every student under the sound of my voice would have ears that can hear what you're saying, that we would have eyes that can see what you are desiring to do in this place. Help us by your spirit, we pray. Come on, would you clap your hands to the Lord one more time and give him great praise. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Praise God. Amen. You can be seated. What is it that gives dirt value? In the neighborhood that Julie Woolsley lives, Leilani Estates, homes can be purchased for around 25% of what that same house would sell for on the other side of the very same island. You could go to a a city like New York perhaps where you would find that a three-bedroom apartment that rents for under $1,000 in the city that I pastor, would rent for over $5,000. It's the same building materials that construct both, the same finishes inside of both, yet the difference in value is staggering. And the difference, of course, is determined by one all-important word in real estate. Location. Yes, a location's value determines so much. But that location's value is determined by one thing, and that one thing is potential. 
in an area perhaps where there is great uh, potential for growth, there is value. However, if you go to a location where the potential is less promising, perhaps because of lower crime or higher crime or lower wages or a myriad of other issues, the value is affected. Certainly, the building material costs the same. The effort to build is the same. Yet, the lasting value is always affected by and determined by the location that it is settled on. I want to preach to the students of Section 3 tonight and tell each and every one of you that you and I all have a house. I've got to tell you that you have a house, not a physical house. It's not a house that's built with a man's hands, but it is a spiritual house. And I must alert you to the fact today that there is great value in your house. Inside of every one of us, from young to old, from rich to poor, there is inside of each and every one of us great value and great purpose. Hear me, you are fearfully and wonderfully made. Paul said it this way, we are His workmanship. The God that robed Himself in flesh and lived His earthly years as a carpenter's son was a carpenter long before. And He put His fingerprints on you and me. And this God is a master builder. I know what the enemy says and I know what culture says. But I preach against the lie of the enemy on this Friday night that says you don't have value in your spiritual house. That says there's no future in your spiritual house. The devil is a liar. I am the work of a master's hands. And I am not a mistake. I'm not a piece of junk. God said before I formed you, I knew you. It was God that created me. There is great value in my house. I know I'm just an earthen vessel. I'm just an old jar of clay. But if you would look a little closer at my life, you would see that there is treasure in my vessel. There's value in my house. Occasionally... You'll see stories like this. It was in Batesville, Indiana, where a man purchased a painting for 50 cents. And he hung it in his home. I don't know why. There's a picture of it. You can see perhaps a little bit of it. Just pretty lousy looking if you ask me. He hung it in his home for 10 years. Obviously, this was not a married man. Because there is no woman that's going to let that hang in her house. Brother Jordan said he had to build a new church to get a recliner in his office. He has a recliner in his office. If I attended this church, I would get in trouble just so I could go and sit in the recliner in the office. But after hanging in his home for 10 years, perhaps he found a woman because he decided he was going to put it up for sale. 
And much to his amazement, he discovered that it was valuable. Not just a little bit of value, not worth $100, which would be a great return. But it sold for $10,000. He bought it for 50 cents at a yard sale. I need my wife to close her ears right now because I always tell her there's nothing valuable at yard sales. But if that wasn't fascinating enough, there's a picture of, of, a, uh, of a dresser that a man purchased. I mean, look, this is pretty ugly. Now, you know, some of you feel like you're Joanna Gaines and you could do something with this. But uh, just an old dresser that a man purchased at an estate sale for $100. Yet, when he picked it up, to put it into his vehicle, he started to hear a sound. It was an odd sound. It didn't sound like a dresser. He opened the drawers, couldn't find anything until he started to notice that there was a hidden drawer in which there was a very valuable drawer full of gold and silver. A hundred dollar price tag was put on something that had incredible value inside of it. What are you saying tonight? This is what I'm telling you. The enemy desires that you would examine your life, your house, your spiritual house. And that you would put a low price tag on it. And say, I don't have a whole lot of value. I'm not worth a whole lot. I don't come from a very good place. My family doesn't, doesn't have very much to offer. And so I'm not worth very much. But what I want you to know today is that regardless of what the enemy tells you, or regardless of what you think about yourself, the value of something is determined by what somebody will pay for it. And I've got to tell you that when God looked at your life, He said there's value there. I will pay a high price for it. I will shed my blood for you. Come on, somebody. Your life is worth more than a cheap relationship. Your life is worth more than what your friends are selling. Your life was valuable to the King of Kings. You need to quit selling yourself cheap. You need to make up your mind. There's value in my house. You have a house. It's a spiritual house. There are relationships that will try to put a low price tag on you. Guys that will say you're not worth very much. Girls that will say there's no value. There's people that call themselves your friends at school that will say you're not worth much. Sometimes there's parents at home. It'll say, you're not worth much. Our culture pushes things like 13 reasons why. Because they're trying to put in your mind and psyche that you're not worth much. That a failed relationship is enough for you to end things over. That a parent that doesn't love you is enough to end your life over. 
But I've come to push back against the lies of the enemy today and remind some child of God that there is value, that it may be hidden right now. But God sees it. God looks for it. And he has come to tell somebody that there's value in your spiritual house. You give your house to God and see what he will do with it. You turn your life over to Jesus Christ and see what he will do. You can be seated. Somebody would perhaps, not, not, not to say that, that I've done much for God, pastor a church, try to do something for him. But I came, I came from a, a, a drug dealer's house. This was before the Mexican cartel was so mean, my stepdad paid to have the Mexican cartel bring marijuana across the border through Tucson, Arizona, and into small town Kentucky. Just a rough home. They loved me, but I had a grandmother that drugged me to church anytime I was at her house and that prayed for me. And I remember going to an altar and, and saying things. I, I remember a youth camp service where I prayed, God, I know that there's not much value in me. And a preacher at just that moment came up to me and said, you may think there's no value in you, but God sees value that you don't see. I'm preaching to some young person today. God has a plan for your life. God has a future for you. So don't settle with cheap stuff. Don't put a cheap price tag on your godliness. Don't put a cheap price tag on your purity. Don't put a cheap price tag on your future. You're valuable. You have a spiritual house. I'm not a clearance item. I'm high value. And I'll say this too. That it's also true about God's church. Our culture tries to tell us that the church isn't all that important. Well, if there's not a ball game, I'll go. If there's not a test, I'll go. If my friends aren't doing anything, then I'll go. But Jesus Christ purchased this church with his own blood. He said it's valuable. i got to tell you, there's nothing more important in your life than the church of the living God that he planted you in. It's going to take the church to save us. It's going to take the church to pray for us. It's going to take the church to love us. And it's going to take the church to correct us. You better thank God every time a man of God gets in a pulpit and preaches the word to you because it's valuable. You've got to stay connected to God's church. God framed you and formed you. The Bible says he's made us a house. That's why Joshua said, as for me and my house, I've got to make some decisions for my house. You say, well, I don't own my own house. Yes, you do. You say, I live in my mom and dad's house. Well, you still have a house. And you've got to make some decisions for yourself. For a while, you can be uh, you can be protected by mom and dad's house, but some at some point you got to say, "Well, as for me and my house, I'm gonna serve the Lord. As for me and my house, I'm gonna be faithful to church. 
As for me and my house, I'm going to be a person of worship. I'm going to be a person of prayer. I'm going to be a person that's committed to God because there is value in my house. You ever go in somebody's house and they ask you to take your shoes off? Like, no thanks, I'll go home. See you next time. You know why? It's because they want to protect their house. Because they think there are some things valuable in it. That's why you lock the door at night. Most people, they lock their door at night. If you live way out in the country, perhaps you don't. We never locked the door growing up. I don't know why. We just didn't. Never locked the door. Left our keys in the car. Don't do that here. And in this day, that's crazy. People lock their door. Why? Because they want to protect their house. Amen. There would be a lot less things in our houses if we would lock the doors. There would be a lot less sin in our homes. If we would lock the doors, if we said, I'm sorry, I may love you, but you're not getting in my house. I want to be your friend, but I got to tell you, you're not bringing that into my house. This is my house. And as for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. You can do what you want in your house, but this is my house. You can talk about who you want in your house, but this is my house. And as for me and my house, I'm going to serve the Lord. You have a house. You have a house. But I must also tell you tonight that you decide where you're going to put your house. The Bible tells us that there were two men that built houses. There's no mention in the Scripture Of the building materials that were used. No indication is given as to the floor plan or the finishes. We don't know if it was a farmhouse. Or if it was an open concept house. We just know it was a house. And we're told that these men built them themselves. Certainly there's no doubt that there was an incredible amount of effort that went into both houses. The planning and the preparation was intense on both to be sure. They both labored with passion on their houses, pouring themselves into the effort, ensuring that things were built to their expectations. I've been involved in flipping homes for the past several years. We flipped, I think, 12 homes now in Kentucky. And so I know, I know the emotion when you finish the project. The, the church here felt that four weeks ago, no doubt, when you had your first service and you looked around and you thought about all, all the, the effort and the work nights and perhaps the marital fights and all of those things that went into the building of God's house. I know what it's like to look at that finished product and say, this is, this is my house. The only difference that we are aware of in the scripture is the location of the homes. And the Bible is plain about this fact. One man, a wise man, built on a rock. That was his location while the other was called foolish because he built 
on the sand. Yet although there was only one difference, it proved to be the only difference that mattered. As one man was afforded peace of mind during a great storm, while the other would see all of his effort and hard work washed away by that same storm, all because of location. We are not told much about the two locations. We're not even sure the price that was paid to purchase each of the fields. But the book of Mark does give us one piece of information when he says that the wise man built on some land that required an extra step. He said that in order to build on it, he had to dig deep. To build on that land would require an incredible amount of extra effort. Not necessary if he had just built on the sand. Because of its life-saving potential, he probably did have to dig deep financially to purchase it. But we know for a fact that he had to dig deep in order to inhabit it. There would be nothing easy about what lay ahead for this man. Yet because he considered the effort worth it. Because he said whatever it costs me, whatever the pain, whatever the effort, the price of commitment to the cause of protecting my house is worth it. He is considered wise. I've got to tell you tonight that while it is true that your house has great, great value, I would be remiss if I did not tell you that your home's lasting value is going to be determined by where you decide to build it. A lot of people spend their energy building, spend all of their effort working. They spend their lives laboring for their spiritual house. Yet they find out eventually that they spent and gave everything on a cheap field. Building on a, on a cheap field. It required so much less effort, less commitment. It was cheap. But eventually that cheap field would cost him a very high price. When he watched everything that he labored for, everything he worked for, wash away by a storm that could have been avoided if he would have just bought a more expensive field. There was a high cost to that sheep field. I must tell you that we live in a world of cheap stuff, cheap love, cheap values, cheap commitment, and even cheap grace. But every one of those things have a very high cost that is only apparent 
once the storms come and the value of that property vanishes, washing away everything they thought that they had saved, that sandy building plot cost so much more for the foolish man. It cost him his house. It was a high cost for a cheap field. Julie Woolsey paid a much higher price than indicated on the purchase agreement 10 years ago for her cheap land on the side of a, of a volcano. You see, she and those who live around her are proof that oftentimes people will put themselves in harm's way to not have to pay the price of commitment that being in a safe place cost. I got to tell you that it's going to cost you something to be in God's church. It's going to cost you something to follow the will and plan of God. There's nothing cheap or easy about living and breathing the word of God and God's will for your life. And it's a whole lot easier to do what you want and live how you want and act how you want. But there is a high price. All because they assumed the danger wasn't real. That the storm isn't coming, but I must say the storm is coming. The wind is going to blow and the earth is going to shake. The Bible even says that everything that can shake, that can be shaken, will be shaken. There's going to come a time in every life where the testing is going to come. Maybe it's not high school, maybe it's college. Maybe it's when you get on the job in a workplace. But eventually the storm is going to begin to roll in. And the winds are going to begin to howl. And it is only then that the true cost is understood. The high cost of a cheap field. But perhaps the best example of this truth is found at the end of Matthew with perhaps the cheapest field purchase in all of Scripture. The Bible says, Then Judas, in verse number 3, which had betrayed him, when he saw that he was condemned, he repented himself and brought again the thirty pieces of silver to the chief priests and elders, saying, I have sinned. And that I have betrayed the innocent blood. And they said, what is that to us? See thou to it, or you deal with it. The Bible says he cast down the pieces of silver in the temple. And departed and went and hanged himself. And the chief priest, the Bible says in verse 6, took the silver pieces and said, It is not lawful. For them to be put in the treasury because it is the price of blood. And they took counsel and bought with them the potter's field to bury strangers in. The price paid for the potter's field students was 30 pieces of silver. 30 pieces of silver isn't a lot of money. Actually it was the price in the Old Testament that was required for the unlawful killing of a slave. Just about $600 by the time you get into the New Testament. That 
is what they paid for the potter's field. $600. Not even the cost of an iPhone. But that field cost a lot more for Judas. It cost him a savior. What a high cost for such a cheap field. I got to tell you, I don't, I don't want to lose my ministry because I built on cheap fields. I don't want to lose my family because I bought on a cheap field. I don't want to lose my purity because I built on a cheap field. And most of all, I do not want to lose a Savior because I built and bought a cheap field. I preach to this great group of students that we've got to make up our minds. We're not settling for cheap fields. We're not settling for cheap commitments. We're not settling for cheap grace. Because what my life is and what my life holds is too valuable for sandy building plots. We've got to be willing as a generation to pay the price that it takes to build our lives on solid ground. We may have to dig deep and it may cost us more, but I preach to you today and tell you it will be worth it. There's nothing cheap about starting a P7 club. There's nothing cheap about committing your life to ministry. There is nothing cheap about saying no to some relationships and walking away from some people. But I've determined that I am not looking for cheap. I'm looking for lasting. I want my life to matter. I want to be like this man. The Bible tells his story in Matthew. The 13th chapter, the 44th verse. It says that this man, again, the kingdom of heaven is likened to a treasure hid in a field. The which, when a man hath found, he hideth. And for joy thereof goes and sells all that he has and buys that field. This man said the kingdom is like this. It cost him everything that he had. There was nothing cheap about it. The commitment that it took to purchase it was great. But he knew that once he dug deep to purchase it, and once he dug deep to inhabit it, that he was going to find some treasure there. That treasure, it wasn't on the top of the soil. Otherwise, everybody else would have found it. But this man found it. And when he found it, he was willing to dig deep financially and emotionally to pay the price that it took to purchase the field. I got to tell you, sometimes the value of a field isn't apparent at first glance or even when you start digging. But eventually, you will find treasure in that field. The trials, they may be many, but when you keep digging, you're going to find treasure there. The weeds, 
may get thick, but I remember why I bought this field. It's because there's treasure in this field. Stand with me. Whatever it costs to build our houses on the rock, the wise man would say, it's worth it. Whatever you've got to fight through and dig through, the wise men would say, it's worth it. I got to tell you, you'd find a whole lot of elders in your church that have been through some things and fought through some things and prayed through some things that were mighty hard. But I don't believe that you'll ever find one of them that will say it wasn't worth it. But I know this. You will find many people that walked away from the shovel and said there's something easier over there. There's less commitment over there. There's less of a fight over there. It's too hard to live for God. It's too hard to live holy. It's too hard to be in the church. You'll find many of them that will look back at those around them and will say, I wish I had stayed in the right field. The Bible tells us the story of a rich man. The Bible says that he went to Jesus. He had desire. God, what do I've got? What do I have to do to follow you? Desire was there, but this field takes more than desire. Passion was there. But it took more than passion. He says, you go and sell everything. And then you come and follow me. The Bible says that man walked away sorrowfully. I wonder what it must have been like for that man as he lay on his deathbed hearing the stories man that he had seen walking with Jesus hearing of him being crucified upside down hearing of Paul the one that had been persecuting the church and then converted suffering a gruesome death over and over the stories filling the newspapers and this elderly man seeing the price that they paid. And yet his mind went back to when he was just a young man. And Jesus saying, if you want to follow me, sell everything. How many times he must have said, I wish I would have walked with Peter. Because I have all this stuff, but it's cheap. I have all these things. But somebody's going to divide them among themselves. I imagine on that day he was just as sorrowful as the first. I got to tell you, when you walk away from bad relationships, it costs. There's a real cost. When you dedicate your life to God and say, God, I want to be in the ministry. 
I know, I know that it doesn't look all that glamorous. I know that some people say I shouldn't do it, but but I want to give everything to you. God, I want to start a P7 club, but somebody's going to make fun of me. God, I want to commit myself to holiness, but somebody's going to ask me questions. It's expensive. But you're digging deep. And the winds are going to start to blow. And the storm's going to come. And you're going to be an apostolic generation that has decided to build your house on a rock. And you're going to find out that whatever you paid, it was worth it. Whatever you have to walk away from, it's worth it. Whatever you have to say no to, it's worth it. Buy the truth, he said. And once you get it, don't ever sell it. It's worth it. There's nothing cheap about this field. It costs everything. People that tell you that it doesn't, that God doesn't require much, they're lying. He says, give me everything. Deny yourself. Pick up your cross. But i got to tell you, everything that it's going to cost you, you're going to lose it anyways. Whatever you have to give up, you'll lose it anyways. Jesus said, and I close with this, for whatsoever, whosoever will save his life shall lose it. And whosoever will lose his life for my sake shall find it. He said, either way, you're going to lose it. You just got to decide if you're paying the price now or you're going to pay it later. But he said, if you'll pay the price, you'll find out that you find so much more. Every head bowed, every eye closed. I preach to students today who feel a call to ministry. And you're wrestling with whether or not you want to commit yourself to that life. I preach to you and tell you it's worth it. I preach to young people that you've been thinking about starting a Bible study in your school and you're afraid of what your friends are going to say. I tell you, whatever price you pay, it's worth it. Are there any students today, section three, that would join with me and say, God, I believe that my house is valuable. I believe that you have an anointing on my life. I believe that you have a plan for my life. God, that you found me and you knew me before I was even born. And despite my sin, despite my mistakes, despite my failures, that you're reaching for me. And I've decided I'm willing to pay the price for the right field. I'm willing to give you everything. If that's you in this place, would you begin to step out of where you are? We're just going to have a, an altar call. God, I give myself to you. I'm willing, God, to lay my life on an altar today and say I want to serve you. I want to follow your will. God, forgive me for settling for cheap stuff. Forgive me for settling for cheap relationships, for cheap commitment. Do you sacrifice your life? So I could be free. Come on. Where's the young people that'll say, I will go? I'll give all.
I'll surrender it to you, God. Come on, God has value. Let him speak his value into your life. You're called. You're anointed. You're chosen. So you clean me up.